I ask how you've been recently and they say, honey, I haven't seen anyone for three months. You're lucky I'm not humping your leg. Welcome to the Dental Head Start Podcast. I'm David Keir and this episode, I sit down with Dr. James Zerbalis. James is a co-founder of Dental Head Start. Now, before this was a podcast, it was just a blog. It was a website where we put on tips, bits and pieces that you don't learn at dental school, those little things that you pick up by watching or talking with a dentist. And all that content is still on our website, dentalheadstart.com. But this episode is something different and we actually went um, to dinner the other night and we started talking about funny dental stories, you know, those situations that are embarrassing or patient does something crazy and we sat there and laughed for like an hour. And at the end of it, we realized this would be just perfect for a podcast. This is something, it's lighthearted, it's different. And what I want to do is make people remember and realize that, you know, there is another side to this. It's not all serious. It's not all stress. Um, it can be funny. We need to lighten up a little bit. It's been a difficult year. So, I hope this episode is enjoyable. I hope you find it as funny as we did. Now, at the start, James talks a little bit about the primaries and some of the things he's been doing recently. People really want to know about the primaries and their experience and James has a lot to offer there. If you are interested in finding out more, you can definitely reach out to him. Find his details on social media or just reach out to me and I'll connect you guys. Now, we've been getting some really great feedback for the 10 tips that I want all dental students and graduates to know. You can find this ebook or little document at dentalheadstart.com. You can download it there. And we've also been doing summaries for the podcast because it's so easy to listen to all of this content and you think, wow, that's a great point or a great tip, but then you forget because you don't write it down, you're driving or you're traveling and you can't make notes. So, we are trying to make a short PDF, one or two pages with the key parts from each episode. You can also down that, download that from our website in the show notes for each podcast. Now, of course, this one... There's not going to be a summary because it's really just funny stories. Um, but from now on, you can find those. And for the last two episodes, they're on there. Dr. Anthony Mack and Dr. Lawrence Neville. And I also want to highlight that Ripe Global and us have partnered. And at the end of each episode, we're going to have a segment where Ripe Global are giving us some tips, something practical, something useful to help you in your day-to-day dentistry. Ripe Global is an amazing company that are really helping people and I know they have helped me. If you want to get 30% off for life, you can go to dentalheadstart.com slash ripeglobal to get the discount code and find your way there. All right. I genuinely hope this is as funny as I found it. It was so much fun to, to record and I'm sure it's not going to be the last time we do this. Enjoy. It can be pretty stressful managing the transition from student to professional. Luckily, BOQ Specialist recognizes this and they're here to make the next steps in your career a little easier. Their career starter banking package includes an everyday bank account, an optional overdraft, a credit card with no fees for five years and an optional car loan. Payments towards the optional overdraft are not required until 1st of July, the year after you graduate, which really makes a difference to your bottom line. BOQ Specialist really helped me when I graduated, so if they can help you transition from student to professional, then get in touch with them. Terms and conditions apply. See boqspecialist.com.au for more details. All right, this episode on the Dental Head Start podcast, we've got a, a really special episode. We're here with Dr. James Zerbalis, who actually is a co-founder of Dental Head Start. So, most people who listen probably have no idea that um, this started as a blog and James and I started this to try to help students and graduates with little tips and bits on 
the internet on a written form and now it's a podcast. So James, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me, Dave. Good to good to be back into it. <laughs> it's good to be sitting in your, your room doing a live podcast as well. So um, the point of this is actually to do something different and we want to have a bit of a laugh and enjoy some of the stories we've heard over the years. And um, there's a story I know a friend of a friend of yours um, experienced and let's just start with that. <laughs> yeah, so it's funny, it was, a, it was a friend of a friend of mine who actually moved to the mid-north coast of New South Wales and worked in a group practice with another one of their friends. Oh, that's just like us. Yeah, but, but not us. So it was in that person's first couple of weeks started working where they were working with their friend dentist as their nurse and they'd sort of swap between patients and take turns, just like you did at uni. Uh, I brought, I mean, the dentist brought the patient in and laid them back. Uh, They asked them if she'd like some Vaseline on her lips before we started uh, and they handed her a cotton roll with some Vaseline on it. She put it on her lips and then we started the examination. Halfway through, the patient said that her lips were just starting to feel a bit strange. They were tingling, wasn't really sure what was going on. The dentist checked with the nurse, you know, who, who, who said, oh, no, it's, it's just normal Vaseline. Maybe you've got a bit of an allergy to it. Uh, maybe there's something like that going on. The nurse then <laughs> followed by getting out the tub of Vaseline to, to show her what was in it and, you know, was reading out the label saying that it was just 100% petroleum jelly. I'm just going to pipe in here. That nurse... Well, I remember them telling me about this and they were stressing out. Like, what have they given this person? What's going on? Have they caused an allergic reaction? Like, they've just graduated and something's happening. (laughs) Meanwhile, while this this nurse is reading out the tub of Vaseline, the dentist looks at the tray and sees an unused (laughs) cotton roll of Vaseline. (laughs) <laughs> and another ro- another cotton roll which looked like it used to have xylocaine on it. <laughs> the dentist felt like they were in a bit too deep already, uh, with the nurse giving this full explanation of the brand and the context of the contents of the Vaseline. So the dentist just wiped the patient's lips and said, "Oh well, we would have put- better put a note in your file that you have a very rare reaction to Vaseline, and we better not use that again. <laughs> and, and and let's just get on with the exam." The poor nurse had no idea until the end of the appointment, <laughs> stressing out the whole time. <laughs> so I think these things happen to everyone and we're going to spend this podcast talking a little bit about the stories we've heard and hopefully give everyone a bit of a laugh and um, help people relax a bit, I guess. It's been a stressful year and we've got to see the, the bright side, see the funny side and, and enjoy ourselves a little bit. But um, if you don't know James, um, James and I actually do work in the same practice and we graduated together, we studied together, so we know each other really well. Um, James and I started Dental Head Start as a blog earlier on. Um, what have you been up to since, James? Oh, I mean, since then, I spent a lot of time just focusing on doing my primaries for ICDS, which mm. took a lot of time. That's what really took me away from the blog a lot because it was just so all-consuming. I started uh, last year with the primary examination course in the middle of the year, and then from then it was just uh, a long, long six months of studying. I did a lot of group study. I, I learned a lot of a lot of great information from doing the course, but also just a lot about how to appropriately do the primaries. Mm. Um, Tell from- us about that what do you mean like i I have no idea and a lot of people listening are interested but probably don't really know what do you mean by that like is it different yeah so it's it was a lot like our lectures that we had at UCID, but 
you actually had to know it all. <laughs> you couldn't just sort you couldn't of, fake it. Until yeah, you, made you it. couldn't just sort of get the general gist of things and then make it work. With the primaries, you actually had to know how all of it worked down to every last detail. Mm. And you know, for the first month and a half, I suppose it was, after doing the primaries prep course, I spent my time doing what I did in undergrad dentistry. So just reading over the notes. The, the, the lecture slides, trying to make my own notes from it and trying to make some sort of nice colour-coded clear notes that I could follow for later, but it just wasn't working at all. <laughs> so after doing that for a while, I ended up chatting to one of my friends that I met at the course, and we ended up doing uh, chats about every second or third night for, for months, at, for, for, for probably about four months, I suppose, where we just call each other and talk through the questions, the old, the past questions, we'd talk through concepts and we'd really just make sure that we understood everything. And, and if one person didn't understand it, the other person could explain it to them. And it was just very involved and it just made sure that we got the minute details mm. of everything mm. and we had each other's back. And that's what made a big difference for me for prepping for the primaries, I think. That's a really good point. And like I said, a lot of people don't really know what's going on with the primaries, but maybe want to do it one day. And I found with uni having out, like we were in a a tight group, James, I, and um, a bunch of other people. And that's what got me through and helped me. So same kind of thing for the primaries. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Like I felt like I had a group of friends that we could really just share everything with. And something that a bunch of us have actually said already is that we'd love to put together some sort of guide to completing the primary successfully Mm. uh something that gives our little tips of what to focus on and what to not focus on the one worry we've had with doing that is that are we going to uh get some people's noses out of joint at racds (laughs) so we've been we've been a little bit worried about that but we feel like having done it now and all of us doing quite well we've learned how to do it successfully and when you're at these courses, they always have someone there to tell you how to successfully complete it. But it's the same stuff that your mum tells you, you know. They they always just say, read yeah. the question, take your time, take plenty of naps, you know. Take some, eat a banana before you <laughs> go in. Banana, yeah. It's not actually that helpful, whereas I feel like we've learned real tips for how to do it. So that's maybe something that we can put together later yeah. for you for, for Dental Head Start. That's awesome. Uh, if someone's interested in that and you haven't, we haven't quite published something, can they reach out to you? Yeah, of course. Well, if they reach out to me, I'll get you in touch with James or find James on on social media. But, um, yeah, that's something I have no idea about. So I hope that he can help you or um, give you some tips if you're interested in it. Let's uh, let's talk a little bit about some funny stories. So what we've done here, we've got question um, stories from our friends. Some of them are from us. Some of them are from the past guests on this podcast. And some of those people have been the top dentists in Australia. And I want people to realize that this happens to everyone and everyone has a story and there's nothing wrong with it. We decided to do this because we were having dinner and we were spending about an hour talking about these funny stories and we just wanted to make it into a podcast. So... Um, Hopefully, this is this is pretty funny. Um, James, what <laughs> what story takes your fancy? Yeah, so I guess I just want to also say we're going to read all of these out pretty much in first person. Uh, it may be us, it may be me, it may be Dave, it may be it may be you know some of the uh, famous dentists that you see on Facebook, but um, you'll never know. So I guess one that maybe I'd like to start with is that okay, so I'm I'm dentist Doctor X. Um, I had a pretty boring day and I was taking out an upper six and I was just kind of zoning out at the same time. 
you know, sometimes dentistry does get a little bit boring. Um, uh, I'd sectioned the tooth and taken it out in three to take it out in three pieces. Uh, looked up at the TV while transferring one of the roots from the patient's mouth to the tray table. And when my hand got to the tray table, there was no root. I looked <laughs> to my nurse, who'd been paying much more attention than I had, and she pointed to the crotch of the elderly gentleman in my chair. I looked at it for a while, while thinking, what can I do now? But then, going back to the root, I imagined it would just fall off when he sits up, and he shouldn't notice it. After putting the second root on the tray table, I rethought it, and I just couldn't leave it there. I edged towards his crotch with my tweezers, <laughs> my nurse looking more and more flustered the closer I got. I almost touched it. Then I chickened out and went back to the final root left in his mouth. After removing it, I couldn't leave it there. So I got the high-speed suction and put it right near his crotch, successfully sucking up the root. <laughs> How did he not know? I don't think he noticed, but I'll probably never know. That or you'll get a lawsuit. <laughs> Whoever that dentist was, I wonder. Whoever that uh, <laughs> That's so good. Uh, it reminds me of one where I... Uh, this one... Okay, this one is me. Um, <laughs> Way to give it well, away, Dave. Uh, it's so hard to do. Um, but it, it's not a bad one. It's just hilarious. I, I was early on doing a surgical extraction and... Um, taking way longer than it should have taken so i'm digging around for this root and it's it's literally swimming around in this bony cavity i just couldn't take it out and so i'm, I'm digging away i got root picks got all the little bits and pieces and i um <laughs> i reach around to grab some other tool which i probably didn't need i was probably just wasting time and uh, i know while i was doing this my nurse was pretty bored she's very good nurse one of the ones that have been with us for the longest and she was just staring up at the tv just suctioning when she needed to and when i went out she'd suction get rid of the blood and keep watching tv and um i turned around to get a tool and then she uh, and i turned back and the root's gone and and it's a lower so it hasn't gone into the sinus it's like where's this root gone what has just happened and i look up and there's my nurse arms kind of crossed the suction up in the air with the root tip stuck in the surgical suction she has no idea and she's still watching tv (laughs) So that's that's my favourite story about a nurse taking out the root tip. <laughs> it's better at surgicals than me. Uh, I guess with um, with a lot of the surgical extractions, you know, we're talking about the sort of stress that we feel and the sort of emotions that we go through. But there's a lot of interesting emotions that a patient can go through. A lot of them predictable, yeah. but some of them not so much. There's there's another dentist that's got a, a story that came to mind when you were telling me about yours just then, Dave. So this dentist says. Uh, I had a woman who I was giving a block to. She was making very sensual moaning noises. (laughs) When I turned away to take apart the needle, my nurse and I looked at each other thinking, what the hell is going on? The lady turned around to face me and said to me, you have been a very naughty boy. (laughs) (laughs) How do you even respond to that? I wonder what they said. They probably just went red and just move on, I guess. At the end of this podcast, we're going to go through all the inappropriate ones because there's a whole list of those they're so good but um let's let's go back to the suction i think that's pretty funny (laughs) here's one where um as a da the um this is this dental student suctioned up the dentist's hair i think that's pretty good i wonder if that's happened to many people yeah that's pretty (laughs) disgusting 
Um, there was also one here where a hygienist flicked some profi paste in a patient's huge beard. And it was a really big bit of that profi paste. I don't know if you've seen this, Dave, but there's a new profi paste that we've got now that's got anti-splatter technology. Oh, wow. Did you see that? I no. saw that and I was like, that is amazing. Because if there's one thing that gets me going, it's when the profi paste goes on my shirt. Oh, um, nothing worse. But, see, all, yeah. all I was doing was tasting the new one. We've got a bubblegum one. It's amazing. Yeah, it it's smells really delicious. Um, <laughs> but in this story, the, the DA, DA ended up having to carefully suction it out of the patient's beard without them knowing. We seem to be doing a lot of suction yeah, how does the people without them noticing. How do they not know? Or do they just think that maybe the patient's just like, this is so awkward, I better not say anything. <laughs> or they'll know that I know. It's got to be something like that. So, yeah, sometimes the patients can be quite inappropriate, but other times they can also have quite predictable reactions to things that are going on but because we're stressed or we're in the moment uh, we don't quite you know come to expect these reactions so there was one dentist who was just in his first year out and he was taking some intraoral pictures of this patient's really rotten tooth he'd taken them so that he could explain to the patient easily that this tooth just wasn't salvageable so he showed this patient this gory picture and the poor guy just really wasn't prepared for such a detailed picture of his disgustingly decayed tooth. He fainted, he fell off the chair oh, and no. hit his head. After oh, that, the dentist no. was much more careful of what pictures he showed his patients. Oh, you know the Instagram where you get the, um, the like, uh, what does it say? Something about like, this is graphic content or oh, something yeah. like that. He needs that before and then the patient has to like click through. <laughs> I guess as dentists, we don't really have a filter for what's gross and what's not, yeah, what's that's, not gross. We show them their teeth and like, that's gross. I'm like, no, that's normal. Yeah, that's it's, a beautiful yeah. <laughs> Your teeth are great. <laughs> have you ever had someone faint on you, James? Uh, you know, the only time I've had someone faint on me was when we were working mm. together. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> so, we, none of these stories are up. <laughs> so... Uh, we were working uh, together and the patient fainted. I'm pretty sure it was straight after an injection. Yeah. Uh, and then we both panicked, yeah, of course, because yeah. we were in our first couple of weeks. We ran into the dentist next door and she came and... and we didn't have our arms flailing above yeah. our head. Like we, kind of, we looked like we had it together. We just yeah. didn't have it yeah, together. Just not on the inside. Yeah, yeah. So we were panicking. Uh, we called up the other dentist from the next room to come in and have a look. But by the time she came in, the patient was already starting yeah, to, to right. come to again. Um, it was you know, it's just uh, from that moment on, I now know that I never have a patient sitting up while I give them an injection. It's yeah. only ever laying down. And it's never, ever happened since. Yeah, I'm the same. It never happened with an injection. I've had one patient actually faint midway. <clears throat> no, um, at the end of taking a cone beam. And, and to be honest, it was quite a shock and it was pretty... You know, it's always pretty scary when someone faints. Like, I, I looked at her to take the headband off and her eyes rolled back and then she just fell. And she hit her head and she had to actually um, go to hospital to get checked because um, she wasn't uh, able to stand for a long period of time. Um, she was totally fine in the, in the end, but these things definitely happen. And, you know, another colleague of ours in our practice has had someone come in and not making sense. It turns out they were having a stroke at that time and then the very next patient fainted 
and it's like these these things happen so we you know we have to be prepared but we have to also when these when they do happen debrief with your friends and and try and get through it okay because it you know it, it takes a toll but it's part of dentistry Let's talk a bit about um, some of the stuff-ups because I think this is also part of dentistry that um, we all make mistakes and as long as we're learning from them, you know, it, it is something we can get past. But some of the things here, you know, I'll, I'll be clear, these are not us. They are anonymous and they'll stay that way. Um, but I think it's important people know that these kinds of things happen. So there's this, this story from someone who um, first year out, He's got a patient, he's, you know, he's very green and he's got a patient who needs an extirpation um, of, a, of a tooth and, and he goes to the principal and he's like, where's the rubber dam? And the principal, oh, we don't have rubber dam. Like, that's fine, don't worry about that. We don't need rubber dam. Um, you just, you know, you just hold on to the file, don't worry about it. And so he thinks, like, this is a bit strange where he thinks, well, uh, I guess I have to figure out maybe I'll tie floss to it. And so looks at his files and his files don't have the hole in the end. So he can't actually tie floss to the end. The only way perhaps he could tie it around the stem, but he didn't think of that at the time. So he just he just thought, oh, well, I'm just going to have to do it, which perhaps that was the wrong choice. And you all know where this ends. He's obviously doing the extirpation. He drops the file and, and it, it drops and time slows down and he sees it go to the back of the throat. He sees it like disappear, but the patient hasn't swallowed. So he immediately gets the patient to sit up and he he says to them do not swallow i'm going to sit you up and as he sits them up and he says he wants them to retch like to um as if they're going to be sick you know retch and as they do it he smacks them in the back of their head and out flies this gay file across the room and um so the obviously the patient's like what just happened and he explains it and then, you know, the patient books an appointment for the rest of the root canal and obviously never comes back. But from that day on, this dentist carried root, uh, rubber dam with them and um, wouldn't do root canal without it. So there's a lesson. We don't want to learn the hard way. And I guess, yeah, there's plenty of mistakes to make while making root canal, while doing root canal treatments. Oh, yeah. And sure, not, not all of them are going to be all of that dangerous, but they can make us look like a bit of a fool. Um, <laughs> so I guess root canal treatments is really something where we can tend to... There's a lot of room to make mistakes in doing root canal treatments. <laughs> no. Do think, David? No, man, I never make mistakes. Nah. Yeah, mine are always perfect as well. But <laughs> Oh, that's just for Instagram. Right? Yeah. <laughs> but there was this one dentist who was doing a root canal treatment that was really quite tricky. They were really focused on the tooth. You know, you just totally get in the zone. You're just staring at the tooth. Yeah. You've got your loops on. You've got your tiny little little field of vision, and that's all that you're seeing. Um, this, <laughs> this dentist had the, the nurse pass them the apex locator, but it was out of their vision. They just sort of grabbed it and they moved it towards where they were going, but they were very much in the zone looking at the tooth. And somehow the end of the apex locator under, ended up right up the nose of the patient. <laughs> Thankfully, it was quite a uh, friendly, happy patient. And the, the dentist was easily able to, to get over this error by explaining that, oh, no, that's that's what we do to calibrate this instrument. Sorry about that, Mr. Jones. And they were uh, quite accepting of that. <laughs> You've got to have the right patient. Did it, did it 
tell you were close to the apex? Did it like <laughs> did you touch the mucosa and it? I don't know. <laughs> uh, it was beeping off the charts. We were dead. <laughs> yeah, ready to upgrade. <laughs> That's a good one. Yeah, there's just so many mistakes that we make as we're going along and learning, and I think we just we always want to do everything so absolutely perfectly, don't we? Mm. And. Uh, something that really helped me out at the beginning was just talking about these mistakes with people mm. uh, rather than being embarrassed about them. Yeah, for sure. Like you you have a mistake, this thing that you're actually, you know, you're a bit embarrassed about or you, you just don't feel good about. But then you tell someone about this story and then they come back with this other story. And, and you know what I mean? Like it's sometimes <laughs> it's worse and you, and you just think everyone's the same. Mm. And that's what I've found from this. Like we said, some of these stories are actually from some of the guests that have been on before. My point of that is to say that we're all the same. Like we're all we all go through the first years and we all make mistakes and and you know some of us still make plenty of mistakes and it's okay. And if you talk about it, it really really helps. I we found that helped with our, us being, you know, working the same practice helped. But like the close group we had through uni, I think we kind of did that all the way through, didn't we? Mm, yeah, definitely. That's we're all a- very open with our mistakes and. Mm. and what we were not doing well at whereas a lot of other people seem to be it was always this competition mm. and I suppose dental school is it's in some way a competition mm. but everything is always a little bit of a competition but at least in our group we had kind of a bit of a safe space where it wasn't a competition and if you made a mistake or you realised you were really bad at one thing you'd tell everyone and they'd actually just make you better at it wouldn't they? Yeah exactly they'd just help you and I guess that's I, I see an issue with social media in that all we see is the best and, and you know people talk about the people stressing about not being able to do what they're seeing on social media but it's just crazy that's just what people want you to see they don't want you to see there's a whole other side and there's nothing wrong with that we all have another side and they do things okay. that you never do in clinical practice like coating things in Vaseline or Bond or something yeah, before yeah. you take a picture yeah. just so that it looks really nice and or just simply, simply before taking photos, most people clean, meticulously clean the dam. Some even replace the rubber dam. And, and then you look at the photo and it all looks perfect. And you don't think, why does mine not look perfect? Like even your dam's got stuff all over it. It's these little things that people do you don't think about that you will never get that when you look at your own work. Mm. I mean, that's the way I feel. I don't know. I, we should bring some high-level people on to have their opinion as well because we're just plebs. Let's talk about putting your foot in it. <laughs> oh, gosh. So this was one that I read, and it was, it was one of these things that you sort of you bite your lip and you go, oh, dear. Um, so this, this dentist, they had a veterans affairs patient. So if you're a student, you probably don't really know what that is. So if you've been in the armed forces and, and you've served in, in some way, you end up getting uh, a lot of your health care paid for, and you're called a veterans affairs patient. So this dentist had a veterans affairs patient, uh, and he, he asked him about his time in the army. He just said, oh, what was it like? The patient became silent and started staring into the distance. And at that instant, the dentist knew that he really shouldn't have asked anything about this at all. Uh, (laughs) Since then, he's never asked him anything about any vet affairs patients about their their past careers at all. You can really put your foot in it with those things, can't you? And I think also talking about people and their family when they're elderly can be really hard. I've had situations where, yeah, you're getting along to a topic where you know you're about to stumble on something that's, you know, been a really tough time for that person or they may have lost a family member and you've got to really choose your words and choose your discussions. I think it's hard because you also kind of become quite friendly with your patients. You get to know them 
Um, but that, that one, that's a really interesting story. Another thing that I found quite confronting when I just started practice was the number of people who, the number of patients that would say to you, oh, no, but I'm not going to live that long. Yeah, and I get that every day. Yeah, and it's we just, live in a retirement village, yeah, basically. So, <laughs> I mean, Dave and I are very used to hearing that now, and it kind of just, it's like water off a duck's back now, I suppose. But at first it was a bit shocking and you don't really know what to say. Like, we've never really discussed mortality before, have we, at this well, age? What are you? <laughs> it's not on my mind all the time. What do you say, though? Um, so I, I try to just sort of, they're, they're never particularly grim about it. No, so it's not no, something no, no. that you it's have usually to really... like a joke. But... Exactly. So I just kind of, um, these days go, Oh, you don't know how long you're going to last or yeah. something, something like yeah. that. And, yeah. and they laugh at it and you move on, you know, it's... I, I say this, this, I've got like three mini comebacks. I guess one is I say, they'll say, I don't know how I've got long to, I've got to live. And I'll say, Oh, ne- neither do I like kind of been like, well, yeah, no, no one knows. knows. <laughs> <laughs> but then the other thing I'll say is, especially if they're actually elderly and I'll say this because I actually genuinely mean it. Um, I'll say, you know, I, I actually, I usually start with a joke, which is, um, well, we've got 20 more years cause I aim for a hundred. Um, and if they're like 95, I say, well, I usually aim for a hundred, but it's going to be 110 for you. So like the point is I want my, and I always go into this, I want the dentistry we do to keep you smiling and comfortable and functional all the way through and I don't want you needing lots of dentistry when you're in a capacity that isn't as easy to get it done um, and I think turning it around from a joke into something that's um, the actual purpose which is that I want you to have good teeth all the way through is a useful uh, pivot on what they're trying to bring up mm. um, yeah there's lots of ways to do it I think everyone has their own way but it, you just fall into your own natural rhythm, don't you? Yeah. yeah. When Dave and I first started, we actually, in our first couple of months, we thought, okay, we want to be a, we want to do something that's going to help the community, something that's going to get our names out there. So we decided to go to one of the local nursing homes uh, and just do free checkups and things like that, and give out give out products and just sort of you know give any advice that we possibly could and fill our time because we weren't that busy when we first started, and I was quite taken aback by the the huge amounts of mm. dental neglect that was going on in all of these these people's mouths in these yeah. nursing homes yeah. you know it was it was a there was nothing wrong with the nursing home really it was no, fine i think that's just what they're all like and it's and, common isn't it and in that situation that, that's exactly right when you get to that point getting dental care is really difficult and so and i think it is there is a responsibility for us to to not be not be grim about it, but like make patients aware that like you don't want to go to the later stage in life with really neglected teeth, but because then it just is all going to fall apart. And you know we don't need to tell anybody listening to this podcast that mm. you know your the health of your mouth affects the health of your whole body. So yeah, some patients patients generally don't know that though. So we have to mm. you know it's important for us. Mm. One thing front, funny from that village, that visit though is that there was one particular area of the nursing home that had quite a strong smell. It was, it was, <laughs> it was um, yeah, it was quite ripe. But I have this odd ability to to kind of turn off my nose, and it only really comes on if someone tells me something. And I can smell fine; it's fine, but it's just not usually on. And we'd been in this area that apparently smelled really badly of vomit like just so so badly yeah. and dave was looking really uncomfortable <laughs> a little was, white yeah. i'm always a little white. and i was just like going along like everything was fine and then as we were leaving dave was like oh god 
gosh, how do you even deal with that, like, that smell? And then I turned on my nose and I was like, Turned on oh, my nose. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Is that when patients ask, how do you do, how do you dentist? Doesn't it smell? Do yeah, you just, just say, I just turn my nose off. Yeah. <laughs> I've never said that ever, to be honest. Um, <laughs> that's great. What about um, things that, that some of the dentists have said some pretty funny things to their patients just because they're on autopilot, I guess. So here's one. Um, uh, I asked a patient to feel his tooth with his tongue after I smoothed it. Then I said, I'm going to feel your tooth with my tongue <laughs> instead of my finger. Um, thankfully, he wasn't a new patient. We'd already built rapport. He laughed and he said, don't worry, I won't tell my wife. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> I don't know if I'm more disturbed by the, the slip of the tongue with the what the dentist said or the patient, but um, yeah, it probably happens all the time. Yeah, I guess feeling with the tongue is something that's that's we quite often ask our patients to do, but sometimes we don't quite uh, verbalise it as well as we think that we're going to. So there's another story where this this uh, person worked as an OHT and an ortho practice, and they'd often remove the brackets and then clean up any stray bits of cement and things like that. They'd normally then say to the patient, okay, run your tongue along your teeth and tell me if there's any sharp bits so that I can remove it. But instead they said, run your tongue all over me and tell me if there's <laughs> any sharp bits. Oh, God. And so this OHT said that to a young teenage boy in their clinic. Can you imagine? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a pretty dangerous... Uh little space to make a mistake when you're talking about pediatrics there's just so much innuendo that you can oh. bring into dentistry <laughs> um and you know it's all a little bit taboo but everyone everyone hears it so there's there's another dentist who did a fair bit of ga in one of their practices they did a lot of pediatric <laughs> cases because they were in a low ses area there were lots of these pediatric patients that had rampant decay and there was just so much treatment to, treatment to be done and you all know that how difficult it is to treat children. Um, I, this dentist had a review appointment with the patient uh, and they had all of these stainless steel crowns, fillings, pulpotomies and things like that. So at this review appointment, the patient came in with their father uh, and the father told the dentist that he was just really surprised at how well his son recovered from having so much work done. Uh, but then the dentist proceeded to confirm this with the dad, uh, telling him that, that, you know, if that he'd be amazed if he could see the things that he'd done to kids and still have them bounce back. Oh, God. The dad just apparently looked back at the dentist with this really disapproving look. There's enough distrust of dentists. Yeah. Don't say that to the father. <laughs> oh, that's terrible. I'll tell you what, the, the, there's a lot of saints out there who... Um, work well with kids or, or uh, enjoy and do pediatrics how do you find working with kids uh, look sometimes it's the best part of my day and i absolutely yeah. love it like i've got a few kids yeah. that i just love and seeing them brightens yeah. up my day and you think you know what i do it's, this for free yeah i love that <laughs> but then like 70 percent <laughs> it's it can just be so difficult uh -huh. you know i had I had one, and this was actually me, I had one patient that, and it was probably the, this was only last year, I think, mm. and it was only the second pulpotomy I'd done in real life. <laughs> Good fun. The mother really, really wanted the pulpotomy done on this child. I had recommended referral to a specialist, and she just really, really wanted me to try. So I numbed the kid up, and I think they were like four or something like oh, that. Oh, man. That's numbed them up, age. and they were okay. Yeah. So I'd gotten the needle oh, in there without them really noticing. Yeah, that's good. That was all okay. Then I brought in the slow speed, and it was like an it was an upper E. I brought in the slow speed, and then the kid absolutely just mm, lost it. Yeah. They were laying 
uh, on the chair on their mum with the mum like gorilla arms wrapped around the kid holding Aww. them still and the mum was it was like something you'd see out of a movie or something yeah. I was like keep going no. and, and I'm just like oh my goodness I've already started like yeah, and the kid's already crying I may as well at least get something done oh, I've already traumatised them yeah, exactly. so I quickly you know cleaned it out a little bit flushed it with some LA because there was no way I was getting a rubber dam on that then uh, um, so got access flushed it with some LA and then put some medication in there and closed mm, it up and mm, mm. god that was I it's, finished it's, that and I was just I was ready to go home but it was yeah, in the morning yeah yeah it's only the morning that's the thing kids can be the like for me they're the both the best appointments and the worst appointments of the day and I, I'm actually a bit stressed about the kids coming up and I like I actually feel like I handle kids relatively well but then when they when you lose them it's just so stressful and the, I just and the worst part for me is because they they don't make the choices that get them there you know what I mean like if you're an adult, you know what's going on. So I, I find that really hard. I must admit, I've had a few doozies, and I know one or two of them James has managed to <laughs> treat. So, <laughs> so there you go. James must be all right. <laughs> so, yeah, when, you, when you're treating kids, one of the biggest things is that they're really, really stressed, and, and also you're really, really stressed. Mm. Um, you can't really drug up your kids. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean? Happy gas is the best drug out there. <laughs> it doesn't work. <laughs> Works for me. But you, you can drug up your adult patients. So, <laughs> so, so there was this one dentist Great who told segue. us this story that um, they were about a year out and they'd just done a course where the presenter recommended using lorazepam for essentially all their anxious patients, saying it can't really do any damage, uh, it just makes everyone's life easier, why wouldn't you use it? They gave a very, very brief outline of, what your maximal dosage was and and when to give it and those sorts of things and that was it so this new grad dentist thought great i am going to be like this presenter i'm going to make my <laughs> life easier i'm going to make my patient's life easier i'm going to dose them up on lorazepam so they started dosing up their patients on lorazepam anyone with a little bit of stress one such patient had quite a small mouth and they'd been dosed up on the maximum amount because that's what the dentist thought was the right thing to do. Towards the end of the appointment, the dentist apologised for stretching this, this poor lady's mouth open so much. This meek and mild elderly lady then gave the dentist a cheeky look, telling, telling the dentist, oh, you'd be surprised at what I can fit in there. <laughs> oh, man, people say something. <laughs> Strange things. I guess she's high, but also a bit yeah. stressed. Yeah. But, you know, just, what's the word? Disinhibited. Yeah. Um, we've got a lot of the inappropriate ones. There's a bit of a, a bit of a warning here if you're driving with kids. Maybe turn it up, <laughs> off. Um, so, this one. <laughs> so, someone is telling the story about someone else's patient. And they said, remember your patient who is a severe gagger who would literally gag with a mirror retracting the cheek she said she doesn't understand why she gags at the dentist because she's very good at giving head. <laughs> the same patient took her bra off mid-appointment because she thought that would help. <laughs> I can't even imagine being in that room. That would have been hilarious. It's not always our patients who are saying the inappropriate things or, or, or saying the funny things. Sometimes it's our staff members. So there's another story that came in. Uh, this dentist says, one of my nurses came in on a Monday morning and told me that she had a big weekend in Bondi and met a nice guy on Tinder. <laughs> it's a good <laughs> opening conversation. Yeah. Later on in the morning, she asked the dentist if, she could, if, if the dentist could have a look in her mouth, telling the dentist that she's got something stuck in between her teeth that she just can't <laughs> seem to get out. 
The dentist got her in the chair and blew the triplex around a bit to reveal a hair sticking out of in between her teeth. Mm. He pulled out a pube with the tweezers <laughs> from the back of her mouth and said, I'd like to note that it was stuck between the six and the seven. Well done. <laughs> oh, that's, that's hilarious. Oh, she'll never ask again to, to check no, anything. <laughs> yeah, so much of the stories that we've been getting, so many of them have just been really not safe for work, so we really apologise for that. But, <laughs> but I think that makes them better. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Let's be honest. So another dentist writes in that they had an elderly lady in their chair for a clean. They finished the profi and they were flossing. They went through about three pieces of floss because they just kept breaking. And I'm sure you guys have all had this before. And because of this, I this sort of thing, I have changed to only using Gorilla Floss now yeah, because it just yeah. does not ever break. Um, this is not an ad for Gorilla Floss. I just love it. <laughs> it's so <laughs> thick, though. It's, it's hard to get through the contacts. Yeah, but it's of it. great. It's yeah, good quality right stuff. Yeah. <laughs> so this dentist has gone through three pieces of floss and it just kept breaking. Um, and the nurse gave the dentist this look and was like, oh, gee, another piece? Are you serious? You're being a bit rough there, aren't you? The dentist looked down at the patient and sort of jokingly said, oh, I'm not being rough, am I? But the patient looked up and said, it's okay. Oh, I like it rough. <laughs> the dentist was just a new grad, so they didn't. it didn't really just sort of flow after that and they felt quite awkward and the room went dead quiet. <laughs> Can you imagine? It was quite quiet for a little while. And then the nurse, she must have thought that she was doing the right thing, trying to break the silence. But she did it by saying to back to the patient, so you like getting a bit of a slap around, do you? <laughs> <laughs> That's just the casual way to keep the conversation going. I wonder what the patient said. It's like, yeah, yeah, and they hit it off. And then, yeah, who knows? There's a relationship going on there. <laughs> they, went, they went and had some cocktails straight up. Yeah. <laughs> I guess, I guess I can probably segue from that into another one here that is about uh, alginate impressions. So this dentist <laughs> says that in their first year out, they became really, really good at taking alginate impressions, but they kept forgetting to get the patient to take their denture out. <laughs> so they had that many impressions of patients' old dentures in their mouths that they ended up getting a bit of a name for themselves at the practice for it. How do you even do that? Oh, that's just, know. that's hilarious. I guess you're just in the moment and you're like, okay, oh, I've got to get that. I'm yeah. going to take an impression. That's the first step. That's right. That's what it says in the dentist's yeah. handbook. Yeah. Take impression of upper, upper, uppers. In, in our dentist handbook, there was one thing that... Um, I didn't get the dentist. No. <laughs> well, in my dentist handbook, I remember learning that if there's any little white spots on a film that you can't explain, <laughs> it's almost definitely shrapnel. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yes. So another dentist writes in that there was this one patient who'd come in and they were, it was just for a regular checkup, no concerns or anything like that. And uh, the dentist took some bite wing x-rays and on one of them, there was this big white nondescript splotch just sort of sitting in the alveolar bone. The dentist looked at it and thought, oh gosh, what's that going on there? You know, are, are we going to be, is this, is this maybe going to cause a tattoo? <laughs> is this, is this shrapnel? What is this? So they took another x-ray at a different angle and then the same weird looking splodge showed up and in sort of the same position. Um, the dentist then look, did more of an examination, couldn't see anything uh, anything in particular around there to show any signs, but there was no signs of an amalgam tattoo. So they just said to the patient, look, we'll, we'll take another x-ray of it again in about six months and we'll just 
see if it's still there. It could be some sort of error. We're just not really sure. But don't worry too much about it. Um, then, <laughs> it's always the right answer, by the way. If yeah. you're not sure, just don't yeah, just do it. Just do it in a little bit. It'll yeah. be fine. Don't start a surgical to remove yeah. the shrapnel. <laughs> and it's really lucky that that dentist didn't start a surgical to remove the shrapnel <laughs> because then the next checkup patient also had the same shrapnel <laughs> sludge. And it turned out it was just a mark on the film. They're, they're so. in the same war. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's so good. It's um, a shame you didn't get that handbook. Yeah, um, yeah, it's just missed out. Eh? Mm. We'll add it to the show notes. I guess this... another thing along the lines of uh, of x-rays, another mm. dentist has said here that they're in their first year out and they were doing endo with wet films. Now, I've never actually yeah. used wet films. This is like explaining film to a, um, you know, or no, you show the kid, this is the film we use and then you realise they all have iPhones yeah. and they don't know what a film is. <laughs> so, when I actually started dental assistant, we used wet film. So, you, you dip it in the, what was it, the uh, primer maybe and then like water and then fixer. I can't remember. Um, <laughs> that shows even my age. Um, and, yeah, so it's just the old school film, but it took ages to, to go through to process. So, yeah, this dentist says that they were doing this endo with wet films. They were taking the FWL radiograph and they missed the apex. Being wet films, it took about 10 minutes to hand process the films. Does that sound about right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So they took a second one. They waited another 10 minutes. And then the nurse put the x-ray up on the viewer and the dentist had forgotten to put the file in the tooth. <laughs> DA was not impressed. That's so good. Imagine how long endo would it take. Like, you're an endodontist. You must have had, like, a staff member yeah. paid to process x-rays. Yeah. Like, it just would have been the biggest headache. Nowadays, oh, it's crazy how different it is. We're lucky, aren't we? Oh, we're so lucky. So here's another one um, about endo, actually. And, and this, one, this one's an interesting one, and I think it's actually important to realize that this dentist raises a point that I think we should all consider. So they're in their first year out they're um, in private practice, and they're using an endo system, like file system, they haven't used before. In their first five root canals, they break three files. And, like, clearly, they're, yeah, they're making a mistake. Like, it's, they're doing something wrong. Um, and, and they've obviously learned from it since. But this really sent them into a spiral. And they were, you know, contemplating giving up a dentistry. And, and they even say life multiple times. They were really struggling with this. Now they love dentistry and life. And what they wanted to get across in this story is actually that shit happens. And we need to learn to manage it and learn from it. And I think that's, you know, I appreciate that person shared that story. I think that that raises a point that I, I've i said before on the podcast, but I think it's important is that even like someone like me, I'm, I run a dentistry podcast. You must think I'm the biggest dentistry nerd in the world. Even James thinks that of me. And I, and don't, I, I don't know anyone <laughs> who loves dentistry more than David here. That, but that, all right, which is a good platform to then say that there are, you know, most days, you know, it's a struggle to go to work. You know what I mean? It's still work. It's still like there's so many challenges. I, I do enjoy dentistry, but it is still a job. And because you're forced to do it, I think any job is a challenge. And I think like a lot of people out there probably think they should love dentistry as much as the best um, you know, specialists and Instagram famous people and whatever, but like everyone struggles, mm-hmm. and that's totally normal. Like, have you ever been kind of not burnt out, but like oh, close? Definitely, yeah. I met some really wonderful people when I did the primary school yeah. course. Yeah. And one thing that really resounded with everyone was that they were 
they felt like they were stuck a little bit in dentistry. Yeah. And one person described it really well, saying that they were in the golden cage of dentistry. Mm. It's mm. a wonderful job. You've done all of this training. You're highly revered in society. Um, and you've really got these wonderful skills to help people. But mm. you can feel very stuck. You can't transition into really any other job other than being a clinical dentist. Um, the pay. You could be a podcaster. Yeah, you can. <laughs> <laughs> How does that pay, David? Oh, mate, I'm rolling in it. <laughs> if only I just did dentistry that extra day yeah. a week. <laughs> yeah, but like you're, you're in this job where you really get paid quite well and anything else that you would look at doing is something that you're not really trained for and mm. that you're not going to get paid anywhere near the same amount. So you just feel a little bit stuck. Yeah. It's called the golden handcuffs, I've heard as well. So the same okay. exact thing. And Lincoln yeah. Harris talked about it on our podcast and it's a really good point. He talked about it more in the, the money side of things. So like all the, you said the same points is that you, you're trapped into this income. Mm. And the context we were talking about there is that you start earning great money as an associate and therefore it becomes hard to then go and do the next thing, mm. whether that's to buy a practice and, and earn shit money and, and struggle for a while or, or to go into specialization where you don't earn money while you're studying. Mm. Those things, are, it become really hard. They become really hard if you're supporting, you know, your family, you bought a house, or other things or whatever it is you've just got this lifestyle mm. so it's 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 worth considering like I must admit you don't think about that until you kind of get into a situation where like I'm not going to lie right now you know my income if it was to disappear would be a real challenge you know what I mean and yeah when I uh, I used to be I used to be a radiographer before I was a dentist and I really so you never saw the shrapnel on that x-ray <laughs> No, that's embarrassing, isn't it? So, right, it wasn't your ex <laughs> uh, When I was a radiography our radiographer, our films didn't have uh, marks on them. Yeah. So, yeah, fair enough. Yeah, maybe that's the difference. Um, but yeah, when I was a radiographer, I loved being a radiographer. I was, and I still would like to do radiography. And I thought that, yeah, maybe I could be in a sort of situation where I would do two days a week as a radiographer and three as a dentist or something like that because mm. I really enjoyed it. I didn't want to waste my skills. It was just a really enjoyable job. Um, but then as I got into dentistry, you know, at, at, at first I didn't have that option. You know, I just mm. had to work when my practice needed me, which was pretty much all the time. Mm. Um, and then after doing that for a while, it was like, okay, well, I could take two days off and go and work as a radiographer or... I could take one day off and work that other day as a dentist and still make more than I would yeah. as doing the radiography job. And you think, well, I'd rather just have the time off. Yeah, exactly. It's that it's that exact thing. It's like balancing, uh, you know, we get paid well. It's, it's mm. great. Then you go and do a podcast. <laughs> no, but I think the other side of that coin, because that's a really good point that we get trapped into, but the other side of the coin is you've got to also take that time for yourself whether it's and and we're lucky in that we can work instead of working two extra days somewhere else you can work just one more day and have the freedom of the other extra time and that's what life is about in my opinion that's that's a personal we could get on a rant there (laughs) but i think that's that's what it's about you want time you want freedom yeah the whole like work to live live to work yeah exactly so a mate of mine was doing an exo and the patient had a hard on she had to request a male dentist to come in and complete the XO. Oh my god! A patient was given LA, an IAN, and a buckle, uh, and he jumped out of the chair and lay flat on the floor in the clinic, 
and it wasn't even the pinch of the needle that did it. It was just as the LA was working and everyone was wondering what was going on with the patient. And he was like, nah, I just feel funny in my mouth and laid there for a couple of minutes and then they got him to sit on the chair again. Oh, man. <laughs> what do you even do in that situation? It's like there's no words for that, I guess, but that's dentistry. Oh, and then there was another one. Um, when I was charting the teeth, I said to the DA, one three labial has a composite filling. And then the patient replied, what's wrong with my labia? Is there something wrong down there? <laughs> so she was thinking I meant her vagina. <laughs> I like this one. I thought there was a loose hair on someone's face and, and used my tweezers to move it. Realised it was connected to their face and ended up plucking it out. <laughs> they felt it. <laughs> That's so good. There's another story that I actually remember from, um, from dental school. Oh, yeah. Uh, and this is just an unnamed dentist. Uh, so they had their patient in for a root canal treatment. And that was one of the things that I at least got the most nervous about. Oh, yeah. Anything yeah. could happen. Yeah. Hey, and it's yeah. still like that four years yeah. out. <laughs> yeah. You're always petrified about breaking a file or something. And then the patient is terrified as well because media tells oh. them that it's the most painful thing in the world. Um, yeah, but this, this patient was had just started having root canal treatment, had a rubber dam on, uh, and in the student clinic's if the patient needed to go to their toilet, needed to go to the bathroom, they'd just uh, leave the rubber dam on them and they'd go to the to the bathroom out near reception. Uh, but this patient went, used that as an excuse to escape and just ran out of the clinic <laughs> and left so, the hospital with rubber dam on there. Rubber dam on, walking down the street, like, you know, in COVID times, yeah. I guess people would think it's just a mask. Yeah. So, <laughs> but it's just a really high-tech mask. But this, this wasn't COVID times, so I think people would have been looking a bit strange. So they just go sit on the train and yeah. just like, hey. it, it'd mean you'd get a seat next to yeah. you. <laughs> no one sits next to you on the train. <laughs> oh, man. The, the things we got from um, Instagram, there's a couple a couple of random ones. One, one was um, being propositioned by a patient mid-extraction. I think that, that has, has that happened to you, James? Uh, look, only by the elderly ladies. <laughs> um, <laughs> or another one with the XO. So struggling to take out a molar um, in dental school and the patient's just laughing at the mid-XO. I think that's pretty good. <laughs> I've had a few patients, you know, supporting me through the, the difficult process of an XO. <laughs> This one, this last one here, this one's for you, James. Touch, a patient touching themselves inappropriately during treatment. Is that your lorazepam <laughs> patients as well? Or worse still, if it's gas and it's a kid or something. You hear stories about I did kids. have someone oh. else tell me a story about they had a child that was on, on happy gas and they wet themselves in the chair. Oh, no. How like, awkward. Oh, what do you do now? Yeah, or then you hear the ones where they've vomited because they're too high. Yeah, not fun, not fun. That's a great way to leave the end of this podcast. I had tons of fun doing this one. Um, James, I'm sure we're going to hear a lot from you in the future, little bits and pieces. If anyone has any questions about primaries or, or just tips and anything they want to know they can contact james or contact me and i'll get on to james um and james thank you for for making dental head start a real thing about three years ago yeah it's been good fun i can't believe it's been that long hey yeah it's crazy i hope everyone enjoyed this and if you have your own stories send them through because we'll probably do this again yeah we'd love to hear some more stories just because i think we do ridiculous 
things all the time. <laughs> That's right. Let's get it out there. <laughs> and we need to make it okay to talk about them and to talk about everything that we do that we have troubles with. Hmm. Stress is part of the game, but, you know, you've got to look at the bright side. Thanks, James. Thanks, Dave. See you later. I really hope you guys enjoyed that. That was a lot of fun and I really would love to hear your stories as well. If you listen to this and you have something that you'd love the world to know in an anonymous fashion, send it in to us because we'll probably do these again. Um, Maybe it'll become a six-monthly podcast. We'll see. If you want to reach out to James, check out the show notes for some links. Otherwise, just reach out to me and we'll connect you guys. But now we have the Ripe Global segment. And today, Dr. Lincoln Harris is talking about failed treatment. And of course, failures are a part of dentistry. Nothing is 100%. And so, we really need to know how to manage these situations as this kind of thing can really be something that weighs on your shoulders and your mind if you don't manage it well. So, have a listen to Dr. Lincoln Harris. And if you want to get a 30% off ripe global for life you can go to dentalheadstart.com slash ripe global and get the discount code and really learn some of the best information out there every dentist is going to get a situation where they do treatment it's expensive and it failed this is a communication okay it could be a technical issue so if you're inexperienced or you're not trained properly it could well be a technical issue but mostly it's going to be a communication issue One of the difficulties we have is that we don't want to tell a patient that they could have failures and all the things that could go wrong when we're inexperienced and when we're just trying to get the patient to agree to the treatment. So firstly, think carefully about why is it that you want the patient to do the treatment? Is it because you're excited about the treatment or is it because it's the best thing for the patient? Whenever we do treatments because we personally are excited, it's very hard to resist this, it's part of learning in dentistry but whenever you do treatment because you want to do it because you're excited because you like the treatment it's very very much more likely that the patient will be unhappy and it's just not worth it it's not worth the grief for the patient and for you to go ahead with something that they're not willing to accept the risks for now sometimes I get people say to me well if I tell the patient all of the risks they might not go ahead and I go that's the whole point of informed consent When you give people informed consent, it's not so that you can do whatever treatment you want to do and cover your bum legally. The point is that you tell them all the risks. If they don't want to continue with treatment, that is the point. That is why you're telling them. And it's better, I can tell you, to have someone not go ahead with treatment than to go ahead and wish they hadn't. That will make them sad and it'll definitely make you sad. Having said all that, when you deal with Uh, complex treatments in particular tell the patient that it can fail and tell them what the costs are of failure and if they're not willing to bear those costs then don't do it I mean you can have a guarantee if you want to I don't do a lot of guarantees I do sometimes do treatment at no cost redo it just because it seems like it could be my fault or it could be theirs I'm not sure but discuss the costs so in my practice if if I am not going to guarantee an implant, then I go, okay, if your implant fails, this is how much it will cost for me to redo the procedure. It's not my fault if it fails. Well, often it's not, it's just random bad luck. Root canal therapy is a big one. Patients hate getting root canal therapies and then it fails and they lose the tooth and then they have to get an implant. So discuss that with them, go, look, the best treatment for you is root canal therapy, but 
small percentage of them don't work. That goes for everything. It goes with, if you bake 100 cakes, not 100 will turn out. If you paint 100 cars, 100 won't turn out perfectly. Everything that you ever do in life, there's a small percentage that don't work out and you either guarantee that or you discuss the cost of it. The reason I don't do a lot of guarantees personally is because then your high risk patients, the ones who smoke and they drink and they eat pork crackle straight after the surgery and then they go boxing and skipping and whatever, those patients end up getting subsidised by the ones who do everything perfectly. So I find that patients get less complications if they know it will cost them money uh, because they look after things better. If the patient is not willing to bear the cost of fixing it, then don't do the procedure. It's better for you to extract a tooth than to do root canal therapy and the patient is not willing for that loss of money if it goes wrong. And just tell them, if I do this root canal therapy and it doesn't work, you will lose your money and your tooth. Are you, you know, is that a risk you're willing to take? doesn't happen very often, but it does happen to some people. So communication is the key to angry patients. Now, if they're so angry uh, and you think that they're unreasonable, sometimes it's worth just swallowing your pride and giving them their money back because life's too short to be fighting with people, okay? I mean, we can make a stand on principle and sometimes we're perfectly in the right to not refund them. But nonetheless, sometimes it's easier to lose the battle and win the war. Sometimes it's better to give them some money back and not have an angry patient telling hundreds and hundreds of people that you're the worst thing that ever happened to them. And sometimes it's just worth it because if I came to you and said, how much will you pay me to have no stress for the next five months? You might well pay thousands. And then you go, oh, I can't give money back. But it's the same thing. Sometimes it's just, even though you're perfectly right, patient's wrong, they're unreasonable, sometimes we just give them the money back so that we don't have stress for months. Thank you so much for listening to the Dental Head Start podcast. I genuinely hope this is helping you become a better dentist. So if you like what you're hearing, make sure you subscribe on your podcast player and I want you to do me a favor. I want you to go to social media and share something that you've appreciated from us with one of your friends. That's how the word gets out. That's how more people gain and benefit from what we're doing. And if you're a dental student or a graduate and you want to get a head start, go to dentalheadstart.com start to find everything we're doing to help dental students become great dentists. <laughs>